Before we begin today's podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the passing of actor and comedian Jerry Stiller at the age of 92. Jerry Stiller, a classically trained actor who went on to become a comedian with his wife, Ann Mira, has died of natural causes at the age of 92. His son, Ben Stiller, announced the elder Stiller's passing in a tweet. I'm sad to say that my father, Jerry Stiller, passed away from natural causes. He was a great dad and grandfather and the most dedicated husband to Anne for about 62 years. He will be greatly missed. Love you, Dad. Early in his career in theater, Stiller worked as a prop master. In a video posted by proptologist Jay Duckworth, Stiller and Mira made a video for Jay on the importance of props and prop masters in their own way. After serving in the Army after World War II, he studied theater at Syracuse University under the GI Bill. Stiller earned a drama degree at Syracuse University after serving in the Army during and after World War II. He began working in Summerstock almost immediately after graduating in 1950 and then headed to New York City to launch his career. He would be appearing off-Broadway a few years later. In 1953, Off-Broadway's Phoenix Theater presented a production of Shakespeare's Coriolanus, produced by John Houseman. The production was made memorable by three young comics making their off-Broadway debut. They were Jack Klugman, Gene Sachs, and Jerry Stiller. In Houseman's 1980 memoir, Front and Center, he stated that the three actors were the best trio of Shakespearean clowns that I have ever seen on any stage. Also in 1953, Stiller met Anne Mira while they were both struggling actors. After they married, they worked with the Compass Players, an improvisational theater group that later evolved into the Second City. They began performing as a duo in New York nightclubs in 1961 and took up from there. The Stillers appeared in a number of theatrical productions as an actor. He appeared on Broadway in Terrence McNally's The Ritz in 1975 and David Radd's Hurley Burley in 1984. Off-Broadway, he was in the Three Penny Opera and in Central Park he played Shakespearean clowns for Joe Path. Some of you may remember him from the sitcom Seinfeld, in which he played George Costanza's father, Frank. Or another famous comedic role was Arthur Spooner on the CBS comedy series The King of Queens. He also appeared with his son in films such as Zoolander, Heavyweights, Hot Pursuit, The Heartbreak Kid, and Zoolander 2. We'll miss you, Jerry. Thanks for all the laughs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. My name is Richard Brandt, and I am your host. It's May 11th, 2020. This is the Corona Chronicles, Day 60. Here are today's news and notes. Starting internationally, from our friends at Variety.com, UK cinemas won't reopen sooner than July 4th, the government confirms. This was presented by Minori Ravindran. UK cinemas won't be reopening sooner than July 4th, according to new coronavirus recovery guidance put out by the government on Monday afternoon. The 60-page document entitled Our Plan to Rebuild sets out that cinemas are part of a high-risk group of businesses that will be the last to reopen from July 4th onwards. In step three of the plan, cinemas and other leisure facilities will be able to open alongside personal care businesses, such as hairdressers and beauty salons, hospitality venues such as food service providers, 
pubs, and accommodation, and public places such as places of worship. All businesses will need to meet the government's COVID-19 secure guidelines for their respective sectors, which are expected to be unveiled this week. However, even after July 4th, it is not guaranteed that all venues will be able to open. Some venues, which are, by design, crowded and where it may prove difficult to enact distancing, may still not be able to reopen safely at this point, or may be able to open safely only in part, reads the government plan. Nevertheless, the government will wish to open as many businesses and public places as the data and information at the time allows. The government, which first hinted at the timeline for cinemas in an address by Prime Minister Boris Johnson on Sunday night, has also said it will carefully phase and pilot reopenings to test the venue's ability to adhere to new guidelines. Last week, Variety revealed that exhibitors and industry orgs such as the UK Cinema Association, which represents more than 90% of the UK cinema operators, were proposing a late June reopening date to the government. That proposal, however, drew concern among some in the industry, and particularly small independent operators who are anxious about an uneven playing ground between themselves and big multiplexes such as VIEW and Odeon, which have the resources to open sooner. The UKCA on Monday suggested it was satisfied with the July 4th date, despite its confidence the country's cinemas will be prepared to reopen ahead of this time. UKCA Chief Executive Phil Clapp told Variety, We have made clear to the UK government and the devolved governments in Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland that, on the basis of our understanding of the safeguards that will need to be in place before cinemas can safely open, most venues will be ready to do so by the end of June. Today's suggestion that this might be considered around the 4th of July is therefore welcome. But we recognize that there are a host of wider public health considerations, which mean that they may not be possible, and we will, of course, respond accordingly. Whenever cinemas are able once again to reopen, it is clear that all venues will need continued government support until such time as business returns to something approaching normal levels of activity. In other news, from also from our friends at Variety, Rachel Koo and Gakwan shows among new Discovery series to be filmed at home. This was presented by Leo Baraklau. Discovery's British channels have ordered four lifestyle and entertainment shows, including series hosted by Rachel Koo and Gok Wan, that were shot at the presenters' homes under COVID-19 production protocols. Food Network gave the green light to Simple Pleasures, which follows Koo in her country kitchen as she makes her favorite recipes using everyday ingredients. It is produced by Hungry Gap Productions in co-production with Peas in a Pot. Food Network has also ordered Easy Asian, presented by Wan, from his London home as he prepares simple versions of Asian food classics. It is produced by Sydney Street Productions. HGTV has commissioned upcycling show Restoring the Good Life, presented by Kate Humble, Zoe Pocock, and Max McMurdo, in which they repurpose and redesign forgotten objects at home. It is produced by Angel Eye. TLC has said yes to more Countdown to I Do. The new shows revisit couples one year on film, on from filming the original TLC YouTube wedding show which followed couples in the lead up to their wedding days, and was shot by them too. The new shows hear from the couples in the self-shot, self-shot series as they reflect on their special day. It is produced by Studio 71. Pilot Reed, head of commissioning, Lifestyle and Entertainment, said, It's great to be able to innovate and be solution-based and nimble in this environment, which the producers we work with do brilliantly. And we're especially grateful to our talent on these shows who are often not only letting us into their homes, but often taking on many behind-the-scenes responsibilities and tasks. 
In a statement, Discovery said, all productions follow detailed COVID-19 filming protocols and a third-party health and safety advisor reviews each production. Deidre Dowling, Romy Page, and Matt Reed are the commissioning executives for Food Network, HGTV, and TLC. Clara Laycock is Senior VP, Head of Lifestyle and Entertainment Brands at Discovery UK and Ireland. Page two. This story comes from our friends at Stage Directions and was reported last week. UNCSA's Brett Salidi wins USITT's Richard Hay Undergraduate Scenic Design Award. Brett Salidi, a senior in the University of North Carolina School of the Arts School of Design and Production, has received the Richard Hay Undergraduate Scene Design Award from the United States Institute for Theater Technology. Salidi from Sarasota, Florida, will receive her Bachelor of Fine Arts on Saturday, May 9, 2020. Salidi is the fifth UNCSA student since 2009 to win the Undergraduate Scene Design Award from USITT, the nation's leading association of professionals and students in the backstage industry. USITT's awards to young designers and technicians are highly competitive on a national scale and highly coveted, said Michael Kelly, Dean of Design and Production and an alumnus of the UNCSA Scenic Design Program. Brett Salidi has continued our strong record of recognition. That is good for her and good for the school. Brett has made an impression on the faculty, local audiences, and in the, and in the industry. Her talent, discipline, and passion will serve her well, he added. Salidi, who is spending the COVID-19 quarantine in New Hampshire, was, was in the process of designing the set for the A.J. Fletcher Opera Institute Spring Opera, Tobias Pickers, Therese Raquin. She was designer of the March 2019 production of Scenes for an Execution by Howard Barker. Scenic design students rotate through design classes every semester with faculty mentors John Coyne, Eduardo Singanco, and Joe Tilford, Salidi said, with each of them having different expertise in their professional backgrounds. We become very well-rounded, whether we are designing for drama, dance, opera, installations, or even immersive experiences. Salidi discovered theater design her final year in high school. After a family relocation required that she give up the high school engineering program she'd been involved with for three years. I had never really been in the arts before, and I didn't have any intention of working in them. But within my first week, I had a clipboard tossed into my hands and was chasing down what duties a prop master was supposed to have in the back of a little high school theater during crazy show rehearsals and behind all the unskilled painted backdrops. I fell in love with it, she said. Salidi said she chose to attend UNCSA School of Design and Production due to rigor of the program and the opportunities it would provide. The coursework does take a lot of drive and is not for the faint of heart, because we are held to professional standards, she said. I wanted to be pushed and to have the resources to be able, hopefully one day, to be at the top in my professional field. Salidi was among the students who traveled to the Czech Republic for the Prague Quadrennial, an international festival of performance design that is held every four years. For the first semester of her senior year, she worked with Tony Award-nominated Broadway designer Alexander Dodge. Salidi has received multiple job offers. To view some of her work, please visit stagedirections.com and look for this article. Continuing on from our friends at Stage Directions, the Event Safety Alliance releases guidance to assist even event professionals reopening during the COVID-19 pandemic. As municipal officials begin to allow small groups of people to gather in public, even while the fight against COVID-19 continues, there is a tremendous need for guidance how small events and venues can reopen as safely as possible under these incredibly 
challenging circumstances. In response, the Event Safety Alliance today released, for free, the Event Safety Alliance Reopening Guide. The Reopening Guide addresses health and sanitary issues that event and venue professionals need to consider in order to protect both patrons and workers. Since there is still insufficient testing, no contact tracing, and no vaccine against COVID-19, this guidance is particularly detailed. The edition released today is tailored to be especially useful for event professionals reopening the smallest events with the fewest resources available to mitigate their risks, since in every municipal reopening plan, these will be allowed to reopen first. Other than emphasizing the importance of following authoritative scientific evidence from organizations such as the United States Center for Disease Control and Prevention and the World Health Organization, the reopening guide offers suggestions and alternative practices for consideration rather than claiming that any one practice is better than all others. The Event Safety Alliance Vice President Stephen A. Edelman, the head of Edelman Law Group, PLLC, and editor of the reopening guide, explains how the document applies the legal duty of care. As a matter of common law, everyone has a duty to behave responsibly under their own circumstances. Consequently, there is no such thing as best practices. There are only practices that are reasonable for this venue, this event, this crowd, this time, and place, during this pandemic. Because few operational bright lines would make sense, the Event Safety Alliance Reopening Guide is designed to help event professionals think through their own circumstances, in order that one plans an event. The Reopening Guide looks closely at the health and safety risks involved in reopening public spaces, then proposes risk mitigation measures that are likely to be reasonable under the circumstances of the smaller events and venues that will reopen first. The Event Safety Alliance reporting Reopening Guide is the product of contributions from more than 300 professionals from all facets of the live event industry, from the smallest to largest producers and the many businesses that work to support them. As it says on the cover, please share this guide. We all want to reopen safely. The Event Safety Alliance Reopening Guide is available as a free download at eventsafetyalliance.org. Again, that's eventsafetyalliance.org. Catching up with our friends at Playbill.com, the Regents Park open-air season has been postponed to 2021. This was presented by Olivia Clement. The entire London season, set to originally kick off in May, has been rescheduled due to the coronavirus outbreak. Regent's Park Open Air Theatre in London has rescheduled its entire 2020 season to 2021. The news of the season postponement follows the earlier announcement in March that the first show of 2020, the new musical 101 Dalmatians, would be staged next spring in light of the coronavirus outbreak. The 2020 season was originally slated to resume June 27th with Romeo and Juliet, followed by daytime performances of Dragons and Mythical Beasts from August 11th to September 6th, and Carousel from July 31st to September 19th. All three productions, as well as the previously scheduled more outdoor events, will now take place in 2021. Whilst obviously unavoidable, unavoidable it is incredibly sad that we are unable to open our theater this summer for the first time since 1961, shares artistic director Timothy Shearder, our thoughts are with all those who are due to work with us this summer and our loyal audience. We are so grateful for the messages of support we have received over the past week, and I am delighted that we have been able to reschedule all our productions in 2021. Shooter has encouraged support for the organization through either the purchasing of tickets for the 2021 season, an annual membership, or by making a donation. You can visit openairtheater.com for more information. Again, that is openairtheater.com.
Page 3. From our friends at USITT, the Education Commission of USITT will be holding its annual meeting next Tuesday, May 19th at 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. The meeting will be streaming live via Zoom and is available for anyone who is interested to attend. You can learn more about the Education Commission by visiting USITT.org Education Commission. To attend the meeting, you can also find the Zoom link for the time the meeting is being held on. Continuing, USITT once again is starting off its week of series of posts from designers whose productions were canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, they're featuring the work of 2020 USITT Rising Star Award winner, Joe Klug. Joe was the scenic designer for the Arizona Broadway Theater's production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Joe handled the, the renderings of the set, while assistant scenic designer Matthew Cornegay put together the drafting plates included in this post. Here's Joe's description of his design. Arizona Broadway Theater's director, Jim Christian, collaborated with me to create a Las Vegas showman and entertainment-style production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Because the story of Joseph is popular among many audiences through many different media, Mr. Christian and I thrust the audience into an updated and modern view of Canaan and Egypt like no one has seen before. The production's backbone lies within the element of storytelling, which was reinforced through minimal scenic transitions, allowing the lighting designer to seamlessly paint the landscape in combination with the scenic design. To view this work, you can visit USITT's Facebook page or other social media platforms. And finally, from our friends at USITT, for the week of May 11th, 2020, here are some of the new jobs that have been posted. At the University of Denver in Denver, Colorado, they're looking for a visiting teaching artist and professor of theater. At Eastern New Mexico University in Portales, New Mexico, an instructor in technical theater and design. At Binghamton University in Binghamton, New York, many positions are currently open. The first is a visiting assistant professor of theater in acting and directing. They're also looking for a stage management lecturer, as well as a costume construction specialist. If you feel like you want to move to the southern United States, in Pensacola, Florida, All Pro Integrated Systems is looking for an audio audiovisual installation technician. And finally, at the School of Communication, Media, and Theater Arts at Eastern Michigan University in Ypsilanti, Michigan, they're looking for a technical director. Of course, these jobs are updated weekly, and also there may be more out there than what is available listed here at USITT. So it's always a good chance to check back and see what positions will become available. Good luck and good hunting. Also, if you haven't had the opportunity, please check out USITT's Forum at Four. We just finished with Jay Duckworth, prop master extraordinaire. He gave a wonderful talk, which will hopefully make its way to the, the web and the Education Commission's websites and YouTube pages for all to see. If you missed it, you missed out on one of the really best webinar productions out there. Great job, Jay. Really enjoyed it. Before I end today's podcast, I once again want to extend my gratitude to the members of our armed services, 
to our healthcare workers, our nurses and doctors, the first responders, our police, fire, and emergency service officers around the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please join me in continuing to support these women and men as they face this near impossible task of saving lives in the face of such great adversity. Please support your local food banks and shelters. If possible, donate blood at one of your local Red Crosses. Be sure to check in on the elderly and support those who have special needs. Reach out to a friend and help not only make their day, but also improve your own. And of course, as restrictions begin to loosen wherever you may be, support your local businesses. They too need your assistance to make it through these difficult times. I'd like to end with this quote from Robin Williams as he portrayed the character John Keating in the movie Dead Poets Society. He said to the students, you must strive to find your own voice because the longer you wait to begin, the less likely you are to find it at all. Please continue to reach out and speak up for those who need it most, for those who are suffering the greatest, that we may make their lives a little bit easier, a little bit better. My name is Richard Bryant, and I have been your host. It's May 11th, 2020. This is the Corona Chronicles, day 60. Take care, be well, and good night. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on how to make this podcast better, please send them to archivett24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's archivett24 at yahoo.com.